Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. <clears throat> you can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at the top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from uh, 9.15 to about 11 a.m., Eastern Today we're continuing our reading in the manual with uh, section 6, Is Healing Certain? And section 7, Should Healing Be Repeated? And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which is lesson 346. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. And that will be led again, as per usual, by Fran. Fran. Okay. Um, go. Well, let me ask first. Lori, do you have an opening? Would you like to share this morning? Well, I sure do, Lemoyne. Thanks for asking. A little poem from Rumi. So short, I think I might read it twice as regards this universal promise that we share with God. Don't you know it yet? It is your light that lights the world. From the dust of the earth to a human being, there are a thousand steps. I have been with you through these steps. I've held your hand and walked by your side, and I will be with you as you move beyond this human form and soar to the highest heavens. Don't you know it yet? It is your light that lights the world. From the dust of the earth to a human being, there are a thousand steps. I have been with you through these steps. I have held your hand and walked by your side. And I will be with you as you move beyond this human form and soar to the highest heaven. Today the peace of God envelops me. And I forget all things except his love. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Right. Thanks for that. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> that was beautiful, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Uh, Ruby's pretty splendid. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, 
with us in reading today. We have Fran, Lori, Donna, Robin Marie, and Micah with us in listening at Harrison, Roz, and Lana. Is there anyone else who's joined us and would like to just say good morning or join the reading list? All right. Well, um, okay, I'll get us started here with uh, Section 6, Is Healing Certain? Healing is always certain. It is impossible to let illusions be brought to truth and keep the illusion. Truth demonstrates illusions have no value. The teacher of God has seen the correction of his errors in the mind of the patient, recognizing it for what it is. Having accepted the atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for the patient. Yet what if the patient uses sickness as a way of life, believing healing is the way to death? When this is so, a sudden healing might precipitate intense depression, and a sense of loss so deep that the patient might even try to destroy himself. Having nothing to live for, he may ask for death. Healing must wait for his protection. And friends. Sex is healing certain. Healing is always certain. It is impossible to let illusions be brought to truth and keep the illusions. <coughs> Excuse me. Truth demonstrates illusions have no value. The teacher of God has seen the correction of his errors in the mind of the patient, recognizing it for what it is. Having accepted the atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for the patient. Yet what if the patient uses sickness as a way of life, believing healing is the way to death? When this is so, a sudden healing may precipitate intense depression and a sense of loss so deep that the patient might even try to destroy himself. Having nothing to live for, he may ask for death. Healing must wait for his protection. Two, healing will always stand aside when it would be seen as threat. The instant it is welcome, it is there. Where healing has been given, it will be received and what is time before the gifts of God. We have referred many times in the text to the storehouse of treasures laid up equally for the giver and the receiver of God's gifts. Not one is lost, for they can but increase. No teacher of God should feel disappointed if he has offered healing and it does not appear to have been received. It is not up to him to judge when his gifts should be received. Let him be certain it has been received and trust that it will be accepted when it is recognized as a blessing and not a curse. Thank you, Bran. <clears throat> and Lori. Healing will always stand aside when it would be seen as a threat. The instant it is welcome, it is there. Where healing has been given, it will be received. And what is time before the gifts of God? 
We have referred many times in the text to the storehouse of treasures laid up equally for the giver and the receiver of God's gifts. Not one is lost, for they can but increase. Now a teacher of God should feel disappointed if he is offered healing and it does not appear to have been received. It is not up to him to judge when his gift should be accepted. Let him be certain it has been received and trust that it will be accepted when it is recognized as a blessing and not a curse. 3. It is not the function of God's teachers to evaluate the outcome of their gifts. It is merely their function to give them. Once they have done that, they have also given the outcome, for that is part of the gift. No one can give if he is concerned with the result of the giving. That is a limitation on the giving itself, and neither the giver nor the receiver would have the gift. Trust is an essential part of giving. In fact, it is the part that makes sharing possible, the part that guarantees the giver will not lose but only gain. Who gives a gift and then remains with it to be sure it is used as the giver deems appropriate. Such is not giving, but imprisoning. Thank you, Lori. And Donna. Three. It is not the function of teachers of God to evaluate the outcome of their gifts It is merely their function to give them. Once they have done that, they have also given the outcome, for that is part of the gift. No one can give if he is concerned with the result of the giving. That is a limitation on the giving itself, and neither the giver nor the receiver would have the gift. Trust is an essential part of giving. In fact, It is the part that makes sharing possible. The part that guarantees the giver will not lose but only gain. Who gives a gift and then remains with it to be sure it is used as the giver deems appropriate? Such is not giving but imprisoning. For it is the relinquishing of all concern about the gift that makes it truly given, and it is trust that makes true giving, true giving possible. Healing is the change of mind that the Holy Spirit in the patient's mind is seeking for him, and it is the Holy Spirit in the mind of the giver who gives the gift to him. How can it be lost? How can it be ineffectual? How can it be wasted? God's treasure house can never be empty. And if one gift were missing, it would not be full. Yet is this fullness guaranteed by God? What concern then can a teacher of God have about what becomes of his gifts given by God to God, who is, who is, who in this holy exchange can receive less than everything? Thank you, Donna. 
and Robin Marie, would you just read four? And we'll pause there. For what? what I, I'm sorry, I had to unmute. Would you repeat that again, please? Yes. Would you just read uh, paragraph four of section six here? And sure. Pause there for a moment. Four. It is the relinquishing of all concern about the gift that makes it truly given. And it is trust that makes true giving possible. Healing is a change of mind that the Holy Spirit in the patient's mind is seeking for him. And it is the Holy Spirit in the mind of the giver who gives the gift to him. How can it be lost? How can it be ineffectual? How can it be wasted? God's treasure house can never be empty. And if one gift were missing, it would not be full. Yet is its fullness guaranteed by God. What concern then can a teacher of God have about what becomes of his gifts, given by God to God, who in this holy exchange can receive less than everything? Thank you. Did you want... Okay. Yeah. I, I thought we'd split these two. Um, I just really <laughs> just really want to emphasize this first sentence here, and uh, <clears throat> it does oh. it does uh, you know it is part of um, the way he he deals. I think in the next question with the question. Oh. So yeah, I mean. Okay, um, from section six, then, paragraph one, healing is always certain. <clears throat> it is impossible to let, let illusion be brought to truth and keep the illusion. The teacher of God has seen the correction of his errors in the mind of the patient, recognizing it for what it is. Having accepted the atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for the patient. And yet, therein too, healing will always stand aside when it would be seen as a threat. No teacher of God should feel disappointed if he has offered healing and it does not appear to have been received. It is not up to him to judge when his gift should be accepted. It is not the function of God's teachers to evaluate the outcome of their gifts. It is merely their function to give them. Once they have done that, they have also given the outcome, for that is part of the gift. No one can truly give if he is concerned with the results of the giving. This is a limitation on the giving itself, and neither the giver nor the receiver would have the gift. It is the relinquishing of all concern about the gift that makes it truly given. 
and it is trust that makes true giving possible. Healing is the change of mind that the Holy Spirit in the patient's mind is seeking for him. And it is the Holy Spirit in the mind of the giver who gives the gift to catalyze him. How can it be lost? How can it be ineffectual? Given by God to God, who in this holy exchange can receive less than everything? So, hmm. I'm not here. I think I think uh, this is a good place to stop and open the floor for sharing on this section, which uh, takes a, a natural question. <laughs> I know, I know. I've always encountered here and there, and <laughs> at least here and there, and uh, um. And the answer is that with these principles of accepting and just is. Floor's up. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Um, let me just share here real quickly. Um, what I shared on Friday, you know, that time when I had the last rites and, and I was, and I saw the body had no value. Um, you know, it flows right into this section, what happened next. Because I, um, and I, of course I didn't know this until the healing had happened, but, um, you know, I had made sickness a way of life for six years and 13 surgeries that was what my life was about and uh, the reason was because um, the truth which dawned on my mind later after the healing was that um, I could not face life without Tom without my husband so when he passed away um, my life for a time served no purpose and sickness was my protection it was um the way i didn't have to face life without him keeping myself sick and this was of course all done unconsciously i didn't i wasn't aware of that was what i was doing um what did seem like living was death to me and um, death would have been a release. So I really understand what Jesus is saying here. And if it hadn't have been for the intervention of Holy Spirit saying no more surgeries, um, I probably would still be <laughs> having them. Um, but that when he said that with such authority to me, um, something shifted in my mind. And I had this inner knowing that, no, there would be no more surgeries. So I better um, have, I better accept life and join with it again. Um, so I was open 
to healing. I was once again open to living. And that's when the healing became real for me. So I, I just wanted to share that because it was so, what Jesus says in the section, it was just so in sync with my experience of it. So once again, I found that whatever Jesus says in this course is true, whether I understand it or not. So I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thanks oh, for sharing that. Potent affirmation. Yeah, thanks, Lana. Yeah. yeah. That was great. Thank you. Um, I think that healing... Um, that passing away can also be a healing for some people. I know when my mother had Alzheimer's and could not do anything, um, and then I walked into her room and it was lit up like a light. It was just such beautiful light in her room when she passed. And I know that she experienced uh, coming home to God in an amazing way. So I really like the fact that that when we give something, also this is a different uh, way of looking at it, but when we give love to people like my mother or my husband who had the brain surgery and epilepsy and found it very difficult at the end to be alive, that um, <clears throat> that is never uh, wasted because it's from God. And so we believe that the healing is certain whether it ends up the way we would have liked it you know in our ego or not thank you thank you robin thank, marie. thank you robin marie yeah oh, thank, thank you robin marie this is micah the part in paragraph four uh, really stands out uh, to me is, um, and I missed it at first. You know, and I was so glad um, that we paused and gave time to to find it, and it's right there. Healing is the change of mind that the Holy Spirit, in the patient's mind, is seeking for him, and it is the Holy Spirit in the mind of the giver who gives the gift to him. And it just opened up this this unified matrix of, that the Holy Spirit sees, and he, the Holy Spirit sees a very diff, different what's going on here in time space, where we see separate bodies, and and Holy Spirit sees sees things very different. So I I came across these two quotes that kind of harmonized with um, where I wanted to, you know where I wanted the awareness kind of move to and it says um, Jesus says seeing with him the Holy Spirit will show you that all meaning including yours comes not from double vision but from the gentle fusing of everything into one meaning one emotion and one purpose God has one purpose which he shares with you 
the single vision which the Holy Spirit offers you will bring this oneness to your mind with clarity and brightness so intense. You could not wish for all the world not to accept what God would have you have. And another one. The Holy Spirit is the only therapist. He makes healing clear in any situation in which he is the guide. You can only let him fulfill his function. He needs no help for this. He will tell you exactly he will tell you he will tell you exactly what to do to help anyone he sends to you for help and will speak to him through you if you do not interfere. Remember that you choose the guide for helping and the wrong choice will not help. But remember also that the right one will. Trust him, for help is his function, and he is of God. As you awaken other minds to the Holy Spirit through him and not yourself, you will understand that you are not obeying the laws of this world, but the laws you are obeying work. The good is what works is a sound though insufficient statement. Only the good can work. Nothing else works at all. And the main healing I was was starting to see was that, that the healing of a separate consciousness into our Christ consciousness is the real healing. Um... But there, there's, I guess there's healings, too, on, on the dream level, too, of, you know, the body. But um, anyway, I'm done. Thanks. That latter quote, Micah, was just perfect. Thank yes. you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure was. Thank you, Micah. Oh, you're welcome. About to make me weep. <laughs> Thanks, Micah. Donna, for some reason, my mind is <clears throat> is walking um, at another level. Healing is always certain, and uh, <clears throat> down here in three, who gives a gift and then remains with it to be sure it is used as the giver deems appropriate. Such is not giving, but imprisoning. <clears throat> And I was thinking about healing, okay. Um, sometimes I look at healing is I make out a budget and then I can see it needs to be healed. <laughs> <laughs> and when it doesn't, isn't healed, then of course I'm thinking, oh, well my request, you know, it didn't get heard. But then in that process, it comes to me, oh, it's, it's just a lesson. The healing is actually a lesson to carry me on forward. 
<clears throat> and then I was also thinking about healings that don't manifest and and um, what we always we, what we usually perceive a, a healing is supposed to do bring a miracle, make somebody well, make things better, and um, but healing can also bring comfort and um, healing. Um, uh, can then ask questions if it if it I guess the thing I really saw was when when I am looking for a healing ask in some form for a healing and it doesn't show up it's like a little crossroad where all of a sudden you say uh, you know am I still with you Jesus are you still with me is everything all right is is uh, you know, and probably in the back of all that is, did I do something wrong? But um, I don't know. For some reason, that's where my mind went with healing. I am complete. Thanks, Donna. Oh, thank you, thank Donna. Donna. Thanks, Donna. You make a very good point, Donna, in um, the story in regard to this section. Um, I wanted to highlight um, at that first paragraph where he says, having accepted the atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for the patient. You could say for his brother or for his sister. Um, and maybe that's useful in this conjunction because um, having accepted atonement for himself is also accepted it for creation, and that's um, that's the point. That um, you know, ego mind tends to define what healing constitutes, and says, okay. Um, I see this sickness, therefore, um, let's see if we can't um, contrive a way to make this sickness go away. The problem is the way ego mind defines sickness. And I'm thinking of, um, remember lesson 79 and 80, way back when? There's a phrase in there that said something like, God would not have put the answer somewhere where the problem is not. Remember that? Let me remember that all my problems have been solved. And in those two lessons, 79 and 80, um, he defines real clearly that the problem is always one of separation. Having accepted atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for his brother or the patient, means um, separation is resolved. There's no separation between my mind and God's. There's no separation between my mind and yours. And communication is therefore restored. God could not see a problem. He but gave the capital answer. Remember that? So healing then isn't defined as uh, something that I'm going to see with the body size. It's defined as the restoration of unity between my mind, 
and all other minds or as you said Micah the rebirth of Christ consciousness it takes a while <laughs> I will say in my experience to realize how inclusive that is you know um, speaking from my own experience of atonement it was it was contained within that very first holy instant that that understanding of the unity of creation came to me and at once at once I was in love with creation I mean I was in love with it did that obliterate uh, that habit of judgment in my mind no no it didn't <laughs> it, it made love much more likely to be the forward foot um, in any interaction but it didn't obliterate that judgy mind you know it took a while for me to realize what he really means when he says having accepted atonement for himself he's also accepted it for his brother the experience itself the experience itself and I'm sure you know every holy instance the restoration of that uh, one mind with itself you know that's the nature of the experience and when it happened to me it felt like I was the last person in the universe to realize truth like truth had just been waiting for me to realize the unity of all creation but it still didn't obliterate that judgy mind what what I needed and he says it in this work too he says what you need are miracles because every miracle of forgiveness brings that awareness of unity back to you um, so back to where I began um, Father, tell me what healing is. Help me understand the nature of healing. It's not something that I give to anyone. It's the truth in my mind that gives itself. Having brought illusions to truth, the illusions are no more. The illusion of separation is no more. And if my judging mind engages itself and says, oh, well, I'm sorry, brother, you're not healed because you're manifesting this behavior, uh, I have separated myself from truth and I've separated myself from my brother. The answer to that is, wait now, <laughs> wait now. Healing is always certain. It's always certain because there never was separation. That was illusion all of all of that and all its effects all the effects of my belief in separation are resolved in the atonement all of them and I can remember that and I will remember that as I let forgiveness light my vision is healing certain of course it is judgy mind would say okay I I shared truth with you I shared some truth with you but you're not manifesting the effects of a changed mind judgy mind would say I'm gonna wait here and watch with you until I see your behavior change 
<laughs> and that will separate me from my truth and will separate me from you and so I need miracles constantly and they fall constantly miracles are everywhere your brothers are everywhere that's why miracles are everywhere I need that constant reinforcement of truth in my mind and that will be mine as I learn to share it share that gift let that gift share itself given by Holy Spirit to Holy Spirit who in this who in this exchange can lose what I lose is that separate sense of a judgy self and that was the fiction in the first place what a beautiful circle this is a beautiful circle it forms the sharing atonement is sharing that's the nature of it and um, miracles become the manifestation of truth that restores my awareness always with my creator and creation who in this exchange can lose I'm complete Oh, that was great thank you this is Donna I would like I would like because Lori in your in your speaking now you just answered six um, six different understandings of your question and I I'm gonna read them first you said um, accepting that we are accepting healing for creation secondly then you reminded us about all my problems have been solved from the two lessons then you said see through the see seeing through the eyes of separation <clears throat> and I thought oh yes that's that's what I'm doing and then for healing uh, reorients restores all minds to unity of creation and five help help me understand healing it is the truth in my mind and six not judge outcomes I am complete and thank you oh thank you Donna oh thank you Donna and you too Laurie thank you yeah thank you both yeah, I think of that plan. Thank you both. Um, well, <laughs> I've been especially thanking Lori got right to the to a point I wanted to make, and I really like the way you expressed it. Having accepted the atonement for himself, he has also accepted it for creation. And I, you know, there's another way that I've changed that to uh, having accepted the atonement for myself. I have also accepted it from creation. And it is <clears throat> the thing that, you know, <laughs> that uh, it's always capital A atonement, you know, it's the universal thing. And that this is the this is the acceptance of the atonement is what he 
refers to, I believe, what he refers to in A Course of Love, creation being a dialogue that we haven't yet entered, and that that substance is the willingness that dialogue. And then, you know, whatever the response is, it, it can just be it can just be accepted as well. Acceptance is key. You know, accept all choices. That way all are accepted now in the full time. Is uh, is the way to to stay in the atonement when the result of an offer uh, the offering of of atonement of healing or acceptance of the other person comes back in some form that is hard to see as anything but rejection, right? That that that's not a call for judging anything and it's not you know it's just another choice between for me it's another choice between my weakness and God's strength it's just it's just that that lose sight of universality of the atonement that it's really just the recognition of of the nature of creation it doesn't have to be built or made or found or fixed it's really needs to be accepted and that uh, that that's the way that this anything any experience like that of receiving rejection doesn't become a trial and you know a presentation of the same lesson again and uh, yeah the judgy mind boy it's just one it's always ready to jump in there I think uh, one thing that occurred to me is kind of cute but I'm just going to stop this but, you know if I think I'm being tested Perhaps it's me who's being testy. <laughs> anyway, um, I'd like to turn to you now, Fran, because we're past the top of the hour, and uh, um, ask you to lead us in the remembrance of our lesson for the day. Thank you. Thanks, Lemoyne. Yeah, thanks, Lemoyne. Hi, everybody. We're in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is a miracle? And today's lesson is lesson 346. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. I'll read some from what is a miracle. A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. It undoes error, but does not attempt to go beyond perception, nor exceed the function of forgiveness. Thus it stays within time's limits, yet it pays the way for the return of timelessness and love's awakening, where fear 
must slip away under the gentle remedy it gives. A miracle contains the gift of grace, for it is given and received as one. The miracle is taken first on faith, because to ask for it implies the mind has been made ready to conceive of what it cannot see and does not understand. Yet faith will bring its witnesses to show that what it rested on is really there. Unless the miracle will justify your faith in it and show it rested on a world more real than what you saw before, a world redeemed from what you thought you saw. Now the world is green, and everywhere the signs of life spring up to show that what is born can never die. For what has life has immortality. I will go over to the lesson. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. Father, I wake today with miracles correcting my perception of all things, and so begins the day I share with you as I will share eternity, for time has stepped aside today. I do not seek the things of time, and so I will not look upon them. What I seek today transcends all laws of time and things perceived in time. I would forget all things except your love. I would abide in you and know no laws except your law of love. And I would find the peace which you created for your son. Forgetting all the foolish toys I made as I behold your glory and my own. And when the evening comes today, we will remember nothing but the peace of God. For we will learn today what peace is ours when we forget all things except God's love. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 346. Today the peace of love envelops me. And I forget all things except his love. And when the evening comes today, we will remember nothing but the peace of God. For we will learn today what peace is ours when we forget all things except God's love. Lesson 346. Today the peace of God envelops me, and I forget all things except his love. Amen. Amen. Oh, 
Such a beautiful lesson. Thank you, friend. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. I think the same thing. Beautiful lesson. I love when that last line when he says, we will learn today what peace is ours when we forget all things except God's love. And that's how we're going to live our day. Yeah. Wow. Incomplete. Thank you, Fran. Now, this is Micah. I love the part of the lesson that it just seemed to, in a soft way, open this invitation to melt into uh, the larger self. Uh, I do not seek the things of time, and so I will not look upon them. What I seek today transcends all laws of time, and things proceed in time. It's just a beautiful invitation to move back into the the mind, the Christ mind, the self. And then I have a, a quote from A Course of Love here that says, Yourself is not the person you have been since birth. Your body does not contain you. What you are going to find happening as you accept your true identity is a transference of purpose concerning your body. What once you saw as yourself, you now must come to see only as a representation of your true self. You are everything and everyone. All that you see is you. You stand not apart. You stand not separate and apart from any, anything. What I seek today transcends all laws of time and things perceived in time. And I love this. I would ex- forget all things except your love. Boy, what a way to spend our day. I'm done. Isn't that the truth? What a way to spend our day. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Micah. Yeah. Thank you, Micah. 
we're going to have fun today. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> This is Donna at the end of the lesson. For we will learn today what peace is ours when we forget all things except God's love. And what I got first was the outcome is guaranteed whether I remember it or not. I um, hadn't had a what I call an experience yesterday, meaning a human experience, <laughs> which I perceived as devastating. It, I, I seem to have been emptied out completely of the living water. Um, and I was like an empty shell. Everything was gone. I was like hollow. And I was in a state of absolute beyond despondency of, I mean, it was unreal. And I, I kept trying to think of, uh, I needed to call someone. I needed to be able to speak to someone. That's what I, how it, I perceived it. And I didn't know what to do. Uh, there's no one. I don't have anyone to call. And then it came to me, surely, surely, and every time I hear that, the name Shirley, I think, surely, goodness and mercy, a cashier at a local store down here. And she befriended me when I first got here, and I went out to try to get in my car and go, and it, and it, it, I turned over, and it didn't start. And I thought, What? Now the car is going to go. And I pumped it and pumped it, and it finally started. So I drove, I drove down there, and I just went into the place and stood next to Shirley and told her, and, and forgive me to use an analogy of Jesus, but this is how I felt, that Jesus would give everything out of himself, and he would have to go away and, and alone and, and get restored. Well, I was in no place to do that, but I went down and stood next to her, and I told her, because she's a, a, a devout Catholic, I told her, I said, you know, Shirley, I feel like, you know, how Jesus would get him, and she says, yes, and he had to go away. And I just stood there next to her, and she said a couple of things to me, and I said a couple of things to her and watched her take the cash and stuff. And, and I... And I was there a little while, and I was trembling all the way down to, to about 20 feet below my feet. <laughs> and, but it finally came to me, you know, to, to leave and, uh, and to go someplace and get something to eat. And, 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 and um, so, so that's the experience I'm having with the lessons today. 
that I'm seeing them from coming back from nothing now, as if nothing, and starting over again. So I'm very grateful. Uh, the first, the first sentence. Thank you, um, friend. In the lesson, um, <laughs> I went back to read that about um, the miracle. Uh, and it was reassuring because uh, I was empty and hollow, and it says, does, it's, it undoes error but does not attempt to go beyond perception. And that's what I was caught in, that's perception. And I asked Jesus, where are you? <laughs> not a word from him. Uh, and yet it paves the way to return to timelessness and love's awakening. So I managed to get back there uh, to some degree. So now I'm being filled again, and I'm so grateful uh, for, I'm so grateful God has provided what I need in this. I am complete. Thank you, Bob. Oh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that experience. Oh, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Yeah, thanks, Donna. I, I, this is Micah. I, I had a similar day yesterday. It was so odd. I wonder if something planetary was going on for us too. It, it was. I, I hardly recognized myself, and what normally seems possible just wasn't there. Me too. This is Robin Marie. I was like okay, I'm going to just stay in this cocoon. <laughs> like I was, I, I felt like I was wrapped, you know, in, in, in a cocoon and just uh, watching. Um, I didn't feel any despair or anything, but it was strange. Thanks, Rumbery. Thanks, Micah. Uh, thank you. shared but has another share on the lesson I'd like to proceed to the second section of reading today any takers although I should use the word givers there <laughs> really Uh, enough of my fumbling. Uh, Robin Marie, 
Would you start us off in manual section 7 with the question in the first paragraph? Uh, uh, why don't you skip me? I'm going to listen. I'm, uh, you know, shortly going to go to work, so I think I'd okay. rather listen if you don't mind. Thank you. I don't mind. Um, trying to figure out how to do it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this this part, and uh, then we'll go on with uh, Micah. So, uh, section, I'll start it off again. Section 7 of the Manual for Teachers poses the question, Should Healing Be Repeated? This question really answers itself. Healing cannot be repeated. If the patient is healed, what remains to heal him from? And if the healing is certain, as we have already said it is, what is there to repeat? For a teacher of God to remain concerned about the result of healing is to limit the healing. It is now the teacher of God himself whose mind needs and it is this he must facilitate. He is now the patient, and he must so regard himself. He has made a mistake and must be willing to change his mind about it. He lacked the trust that makes forgiving truly, and so he has not received the benefit of his gift. Micah? Okay, seven. Should healing be repeated? This question really answers itself. Healing cannot be repeated. If the patient is healed, what remains to heal him from? And if the healing is certain, as we have already said it is, what is there to repeat? For a teacher of God to remain concerned about the result of healing is to limit the healing. It is now the teacher of God himself whose mind needs to be healed, and it is this he must facilitate. He is now the patient, and he must so regard himself. He has made a mistake and must be willing to change his mind about it. He lacked the trust that makes forgiving tr truly, and so he has not received the benefit of his gift. Two, whenever a teacher of God has tried to be a channel for healing, he has succeeded. Should he be tempted to doubt this, he should not repeat his previous effort. That was already maximal, because the Holy Spirit so accepted it and so used it. Now the teacher of God has only one course to follow. He must use his reason to tell himself that he has given the problem to one who cannot fail and recognize that his own uncertainty is not love but fear and therefore hate. His position has thus become un untenable for he is offering hate to one to whom he offered love. 
This is impossible. Having offered love, only love can be received. Thank you, Micah. And is there a new reader who would like to uh, continue with uh, paragraphs two and three? I've got it. Hi, Lemoy. All right. Um, good morning, Judy. Yes, good morning, everyone. Whenever a teacher of God has tried to be a channel for healing, he has succeeded. My fingers on the book here. Should he be tempted to doubt this, he should not repeat his previous effort. That was already maximal because the Holy Spirit so accepted it and so used it. Now, the teacher of God has only one course to follow. He must use his reason to tell himself that he has given the problem to one, with a capital O, to one who, with a capital W, cannot fail and must recognize that his own uncertainty is not love, but fear, and therefore hate. His position has thus become untenable, for he is offering hate to one to whom he offered love. No can do. This is impossible. Having offered love, only love can be received. Amen. It is in this that the teacher of God must trust. This is what is really meant by the statement that the one responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. The teacher of God is a miracle worker because he gives the gifts he has received. Yet he must first accept them. Yet he must first accept them. He need do no more, nor is there more that he can do. By accepting healing, he can give it. If he doubts this, let him remember who with a capital W gave the gift and who with a capital W received it. Thus is his doubt corrected. He thought the gifts of God could be withdrawn. That was a mistake, but hardly one to stay with. And so the teacher of God can only recognize it for what it is and let it be corrected for him. Oh, holy God, <laughs> what a perfect plan. <laughs> we just can't mess this up. <laughs> Thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, thank you, Judith. And uh, is there another new reader for paragraphs three and four? Another new reader? It's I can do it now. Okay. Please do. It is in this that the teacher of God must trust. 
This is what is really meant by the statement that the one responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. The teacher of God is a miracle worker because he gives the gifts he has received. Yet, he must first accept them. He need do no more, nor is there more that he could do. By accepting healing, he can give it. If he doubts this, let him remember who gave the gift and who received it. Thus is his doubt corrected. He thought the gifts of God could be withdrawn. That was a mistake, but hardly one to stay with. And so the teacher of God can only recognize it for what it is and let it be corrected for him. For one of the most difficult temptations to recognize is that to doubt a healing because of the appearance of continuing symptoms is a mistake in the form of lack of trust. As such, it is an attack. Usually it seems to be just the opposite. It does appear unreasonable at first to be told that continued concern is attack. It has all the appearances of love. Yet love without trust is impossible, and doubt and trust cannot coexist. And hate must be the opposite of love, regardless of the form it takes. Doubt not the gift. And it is impossible to doubt its result. This is the certainty that gives God's teachers the power to be miracle workers, for they have put their trust in Him. Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new reader for four and five? I can read. This is Reverend Reader Joy. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, wait, hold on. I have a hungry dog, but hold on. <laughs> uh, four. One of the most difficult temptations to recognize is that to doubt a healing because of the appearance of continuing symptoms is a mistake in the form of lack of trust. As such, it is an attack. Usually it seems to be just the opposite. It does appear unreasonable at first to be told that continued concern is attack. 
It has all the appearances of love. Yet love without trust is impossible, and doubt and trust cannot coexist. And hate must be the opposite of love, regardless of the form it takes. Doubt not the gift, and it is impossible to doubt its result. This is the certainty that gives God's teachers the power to be miracle workers, for they have put their trust in him. And five, the real basis for doubt about the outcome of any problem that has been given to God's teacher for resolution is only self-doubt. And that necessarily implies that trust has been placed in an illusory self, for only such a self can be doubted. This illusion can take many forms. Perhaps there is a fear of weakness and vulnerability. Perhaps there is a fear of failure and shame associated with a sense of inadequacy. Perhaps there is a guilty embarrassment stemming from false humility. The form of the mistake is not important. What is important is only the recognition of a mistake as a mistake. Thank you, Rita. And is there another new reader for five and six? Another new reader? Okay, back to you, Fran. Five. The real basis for doubt about the outcome of any problem that has been given to God's teacher for a resolution is always self-doubt. And that necessarily implies that trust has been placed in an illusory self, for only such a self can be doubted. This illusion can take many forms. Perhaps there is a fear of weakness and vulnerability. Perhaps there is a fear of failure and shame associated with the sense of inadequacy. Perhaps there is a guilty embarrassment stemming from false humility. The form of the mistake is not important. What is important is only the recognition of a mistake as a mistake. Six, the mistake is always some form of concern with the self to the exclusion of the patient. It is a failure to recognize him as part of the self and thus represents a confusion in identity. Conflict about what you are has entered your mind and you have become deceived about yourself. And you are deceived about yourself because you have denied the source of your creation. If you are offering only healing, you cannot doubt. If you really want the problem solved, you cannot doubt. If you are certain what the problem is, you cannot doubt. Doubt is the result of conflicting wishes. Be sure of what you want, and doubt becomes impossible. Thank you, Fran and Laurie. The mistake is always some form of concern with the small self to the exclusion of the patient. It is a failure to recognize him as part of the self and thus represents a confusion in identity. Conflict about what you are has entered your mind and you have become deceived about yourself. And you are deceived about yourself because you've denied the capital source of your creation. If you are offering only healing, you cannot doubt. 
If you really want the problem solved, you cannot doubt. If you are certain about what the problem is, you cannot doubt. Doubt is the result of conflicting wishes. Be sure of what you want, and doubt becomes impossible. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Um, okay, I'm going to try and make a really quick, brief summary for Section 7, Should Healing Be Repeated? The question really answers itself. <clears throat> healing cannot be repeated. Whenever a teacher of God has tried to be a channel for healing, he has succeeded. And I think, yeah, any appearance of uh, that says here <laughs> that uh, this is the recognition that uh, what it ask for here is that we use our reason to tell ourselves that we have given the problem to one who cannot fail and to recognize our own uncertainty is not love but fear and so let the healing roll and it is in this you know having offered love only love can be received and it is in this teacher of God must trust. <clears throat> and that is what really meant by the statement that the one responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. <clears throat> one of the most difficult temptations to recognize is that to doubt a healing because of the appearance of continuing symptoms is a mistake in the form of lack of or doubt not the gift and it is impossible to doubt its result this is the certainty that gives God's teachers the power to be miracle workers for they have put their trust in him <clears throat> so from five the real basis for doubt about the outcome of any problem that has been given to God's teacher for resolution is always self-doubt and uh, this necessarily implies that trust has been placed in an illusory self for only such a self can be doubted but the form of the mistake is not important what is important is only the recognition only the recognition of a mistake as a mistake. If you are, and then from six, if you are offering only healing, you cannot doubt. If you really want the problem solved, you cannot doubt. If you are certain what the problem is, you cannot doubt. Doubt is the result of conflicting wishes. 
failure to recognize what's perceived as other as part of the self and thus represents fusion in identity. Be sure of what you want and doubt becomes impossible. Leave it there. Floor is open. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Please come this is Go ahead, Lemoyne. Or, uh, here you go. Thanks, Judith. Um, good morning. It's Harrison. Um, The question of healing seems to always raise the question for me is what needs to be healed? Um, My focus is usually on the body and something amiss with the body. And um, what challenges that thought, that idea, is the Course's teaching uh, pretty fiercely that I'm not a body and you're not a body. And therefore, the patient is not a body. And if I'm looking for healing of the body, if that's my expectation, then I'm going to be disappointed because the Holy Spirit, God, the teacher of God, doesn't heal the body. The teacher of God heals the mind. And if the mind of the patient is healed, the patient no longer sees himself or herself as a body, and therefore cannot be sick. So the, 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 the challenge for me has always been uh, getting away from the idea that I or a loved one or anyone else is the body that my eyes are showing me. And uh, I think somewhere, of course, that sickness is in the mind and only in the mind. So if 
I uh, allow the illusion of the body to be brought to the truth, which says to me, I am not a body. The so-called patient is not a body. That I am, as God created me, perfect without fault, cannot be sick, cannot suffer, cannot die. If I'm able to get beyond my traditional notion of sickness and death and the body to, to allow the Holy Spirit to replace those ideas, those thoughts with the truth of who I am and who my brother is, then healing is absolutely certain. There is uh, a whole lot in these two little sections. Paragraph 4 in the section is healing. Certain. It is the relinquishment of all concern about the gift that makes it truly given. And it is trust that makes true giving possible. Healing is the change of mind that the Holy Spirit in the patient's mind is seeking for him. And it is the Holy Spirit in the mind of the giver who gives the gift to him. Great answer. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. <laughs> yeah, that's that very clear. Harrison. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, very clear. Thanks. I would like to respond. This is Steve. I see in many areas of the Course in Miracles and the Course in Love this thing of this is a communication device. There's speaking of the elevation of form. And for in my heart, there is a paradox here. There's that quote, I am not a body, I am free, for I am as God created me. Yet there is this form that I cannot deny, and I'm told in the Course not to deny it or to push it away, but that 
I accept that this body is communication device and as is this world of, of form I can't deny that and I accept it with gratitude and as I have my car or my dog I take for walks take this body for walks feed it right so that it doesn't interfere with my communication and at the same time uh, it is not eternal so I'm led from within by the my by my guide it might be take a vitamin C or get this thing sewn up it comes from deep within right in front of me this world of form there are we can be shown where to shop and buy and buy the dress the dress is not eternal but there is guidance about this body I, I think that there is a uh, elevated state of form and elevated higher correct normal thinking that there is no division it's not one or the other it's one giving to another uh, so I don't see a problem with healing of the mind and of doing what comes from within that I'm being guided to do to take care of my body I'm complete thank you Steve thank you Steve thank you Steve thank you Steve Hi guys, it's Jude. I have um, just following in Harrison's footsteps again. The um, the necessity for me to understand that it's right in the first paragraph. It's healing certain. The teacher of God seeing the correction of his errors in the mind of the patient, <laughs> recognizing it for what it is. It's a projection. If I'm seeing error outside of me, it's still an error, a mistaken perception. I'm in the world of time and space. I'm perceiving something outside of myself that is false, a false belief about myself projected outside of myself onto someone else. So ergo, that's, that's just so fundamental 
and it needs to be repeated to me over and over. And that's what I was saying before, um, Harrison, you came on. It's so important that I remember, I'm reminded over and over again what, what it is that's happening here for me. I'm being restored to the grandeur and the magnitude of being one, knowing I am the one mind of God. I am the one mind of God. Now, that too totally abnegates or, or um, I, don't know, I don't want to get into that, but the, um, the idea that Judy's, Judy's perceptions and Judy's personal experience isn't clouding or veiling that awareness of who and what I am. It's just sitting in stillness and knowing the truth of that. And that is the power and the one mind and the who, the capital W, who is doing the healing, who is recognizing nothing needs to be healed, that it's always been this perfect oneness creating and becoming through infinite diversity and manifestation. But we are, are that oneness, that wholeness, that completion. And to be afraid or to doubt it or to, to, um, to attack it, criticize it, judge it, not to love it in any way, shape, or form is a mistake. It just makes me suffer, Judy suffer. And to, um, you know, in, in reviewing the, the, the characteristics of one who knows the truth and trusts the truth, that I am honest with everybody and, and um, I give people space to be honest with themselves. You know, let's be exactly who we are right here, right now. And the, and the trust that opens and opens itself up and, and welcomes everything to be what it is, gives it freedom to be what it is, without judgment or criticism or complaint. You know, that's the Christ, Christ consciousness opening up and enveloping of everything in peace that allows things to be what it is. And, and loves it until it knows what it is for itself. Because it all is just manifestations waking up to know itself is what it is. And, you know, you can think you're something else, and you can think you're something separate, and you can think yourself alone, and you can think you have separate thoughts, separate private and personal thoughts. We can all, and have all done that, but um, that's not the truth of who we are. But that's certainly free. We're certainly free to do all that. And, um, but certainly not meant to, to suffer by our, our free will in order to do that. You know, there's joy, joy taking, um, taking itself in its particularity, <laughs> as we well know. But um, who's doing the healing? And who's being healed here? Um, it's there's one separate from all of it, and it's me. And I have to recognize that I'm the one that separates myself. I'm the one that crucifies myself. I'm the one that needs to go out into the desert and face 
my temptations, and I'm the one that that needs to to um, give up my body and and say, you know, this isn't really all that significant, and come through and you know trans transfigure and trans <laughs> recognize the truth that I am spirit in the mind of God. So I've just been reading about this, seeing the story of Christ as seeing the story of our spiritual awakening, which he teaches. It's for each and every one of us, and um, I'm just loving it. So thank you for giving me uh, a, a few minutes and, and a space to share. Thank you very much. I love you all. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Love you, too. Uh, This is Steve. Go ahead, Steve. I just wanted to add that one of the fundamental principled concepts that I learned as a chiropractor is that I'm not a medical doctor and I don't diagnose or treat symptoms. What that means in the course here is that I don't label if someone comes to me with a backache that they define as raw, as something they want to get rid of. That is not my job as a chiropractor. My job is to do a simple adjustment to allow the innate intelligence within that patient and the body to be have no interference, the oneness, to connect to the spirit. So I don't define, I don't resist, I don't diagnose or treat because I don't know enough to say that this backache should not be there. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Just quickly, uh, in the last section, uh, section five, I believe it said that sickness is of the mind. And I think that's a very, very important statement. Uh, If we uh, want to heal according to the courses um, approach to healing. So... I I think that was in section five, and um, maybe we can talk about it on the after call. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Always is mine. Thank you, Harrison. Perfect. Yeah. Yes, sir. I think I may have found what you're referring to, paragraph 6 of section 5.
so yeah, this have is we, Lemoyne. Have, go ahead, go ahead, Rachel. Have we have we heard from Lori? Is she there? Is Lori there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Have we heard from you, honey? Um. Well. Um. I don't want to interrupt Lemoyne. Um. But yeah, I've learned a lot. Oh, from I, this I mean, at some point. <laughs> Oh, I, I definitely want to share on this. I definitely do, but I'll go after you, Lemoyne. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to uh, proceed to a close of the recorded portion after I just point out that, oh, that okay. paragraph, that paragraph uh, six uh, speaks of healing as the release from guilt and sickness both, for they are one. Yet to accept this release, the insignificance of the body must be an acceptable idea. And this is something that people have touched on, the course talks about. The body quite often as if it's only a means, right? A learning device, a communication device. <clears throat> and I, I still, yet I still have this call to say that means and end are one and I think you know if the body is like it says the body is this invulnerable is 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 as invulnerable as the atonement to two-edged application because it's truly neutral then uh, I think what the, you know, part of what occurs then in healing is an emptying of all the other purposes that we may perceive as in the body, that it requires, you know, being caused by the body, some form of need of the body that, that then makes a requirement on the mind that this has to be let go of so that it can be reversed. <clears throat> and in that reversal, if the end is healing and full acceptance of the atonement, the recognition, like what Micah pointed out, just simply awakening to Christ consciousness with all is one and all is aware of God, then um, it is by the that the healing, in in a real sense, the healing is the emptying of the other purposes which interfere with the mean body and the end becoming one, which would elevate itself form, but it it uh, it has to flow from true me first cause from our source at section 7 return to the thing the doubt is essentially self-deception and some form of denial of the source of all creation I'm complete and 
So, Lori, I ask you to say whatever you will and uh, offer any closing. Oh. Thanks, Lamorne. Thanks, Lamorne. You, you highlight, um, your share just highlighted the second paragraph from what is a miracle and what is doubt but some doubt about yourself. It, it starts out with a miracle contains the gift of grace where it is given and received as one. And here's the real power of the miracle for me as well as um, the correction when I have a problem. A miracle is given and received as one is the same as saying and unity is restored. And unity is restored. There's a real um, recall back we read about um, specialness. Specialness is um, one of the last things that gets corrected, it, um, that notion that I know something that you don't know, that notion that I may have something that you don't have, the notion that I can give you something that you don't already have. And that's the beauty, the real beauty of the teaching-learning relationship. The real teacher in the teaching-learning relationship is the Holy Spirit. Not me. The only thing I can share with anyone, the only thing that is shareable, is atonement. We are all, here's a quote, and I can't tell you where it's at right now, but I know you'll recognize it. We are all united in atonement here. Nothing else can unite us. That's what makes the defense of atonement the perfect restoration of truth. It says that we give and receive as one. There's only one concept, plus 108, there's only one concept that is true. Only one concept. And that concept is unity or atonement. If I think I can give you something you already don't have, I've made myself the patient. I've I've become in my own mind something special that I'm not. I need I need a restoration, and I know. Um, here's here's the great great thing about a mistake. Remember, he said early on, there's there's a world of difference between a sin and a mistake. A sin, of course, is illusion, but a sin is the belief that something can't be corrected. To make a mistake is to say, oh, something's gone awry here. I have made a mistake. Now I don't feel the unity with this brother. I've, I've somehow in my mind mistaken myself for a small s self, thinking I have something my brother doesn't have, and I'm going to go ahead and give it to him. If he doesn't accept it, and be sure I'll stay and watch and make sure he does. If he doesn't accept it, um, by virtue of demonstrating some change in his mind, um, 
then I know uh, I have to repeat it. Uh, there's something wrong with my brother. Um, that's why a miracle is given and received as one. It, it's grace that restores my mind to unity with this brother who is myself, my capital S self. It's the only way. This is miracle working and healing is the only way I can demonstrate to myself that I am not a small as self. The small as self was my mistake, thinking I was a separate person. That was the source of all my trouble, everything, all lack of love came from that mistake that I thought I was alone. And if I think all of a sudden God's giving me something that, that you don't have, I'm in a position that's not equal. Suddenly our relationship is off kilter. And so I'll make the effort to give you this thing that I think you don't have, but there's no grace in that because I haven't received. I haven't allowed my mind to receive the gift of unity with you. The mistake I made, the mistake I made was to sit and watch. Are you going to demonstrate that I've given you something? That's to stand apart and to be alone. And I won't experience the grace that is in true giving. I have separated myself from truth. Now I stand outside it alone, wondering what did I do wrong? You know, he said, a miracle, if it's expressed truly, will always be exactly what my brother needs. Do I know that? No. There is no way. There is absolutely no way I can know that. So, Judy, you're right. I have to stay quiet. I have to stay quiet and listen and listen. These miracles of atonement are Christ-guided and Christ-controlled. Not me. Not me. I'm just a channel. You know, I just sit there and, and don't do anything except not let my mind think I'm separate. Let the interferers, the little judgy interferers go because they interfere with me. They keep me separate from my capitalist self. Miracle working is how this giving and receiving of one restores my mind he says the miracle is always there the miracle is always there but you are needed so that it can begin the holy spirit speaks to you he doesn't speak to somebody else and if i'm busy blabbering on about what i think my brother needs <laughs> i've made a mistake and i'll feel that mistake i'll feel that mistake in my heart i'll wonder what went wrong i'll um I feel like I tried to do something right, but I really screwed it up. I became the patient. And so I go back to Holy Spirit and say, I trust in you. I know this is this is your doing. I have nothing to do with it. I don't want to make a mistake. It hurts me. Um, I want to be a channel for healing. And so I'll be quiet. You tell me how to do that in a way that can be experienced as grace for both of us being quiet and recognizing that um, I can't know my capitalist self without this brother and God has arranged in his 
in his magnificent universal grace to send me this one so that I can teach what what I am and what this brother is to me this brother is my capitalist self if I doubt that I'm doubting myself I've placed confidence in my ego oh I thought well that's a mistake and I'll tell you what I only need to make make, make that mistake once and I did <laughs> I made that mistake but I only needed to mistake do that mistake once before I realized um, realized my error and received the gift of grace that yes this, this brother is my capitalist self already in my heart the gap I felt the gap I felt was where not between my brother and I but in my own mind and when that's healed when I let that mistake be corrected I'll realize once and for all that you are me that I am you and I can't know me without you that's the gift of grace given and received as one now forgiveness is seen as justified where was the error oh yeah it was my mind it was mine and I give it over to healing now I understand what he means accepting atonement for himself by definition he's a miracle worker because um, without you I can't know me anyway I'm pretty sure I only need to make that mistake once because I learned a great big important thing I'm complete thank you Lori. thank you so much thank you thank you so much Lori. thank you Lori. <laughs>